Hello, Grand Canyon fanatics. This is Crocky Meshkin, creator of Grand Canyon TV, and your host for the Grand Canyon TV podcast. On this episode you're about to hear, I sit down with Ricky and Lucy as we go through a copy of the July 16th, 1956 Life magazine. In this issue of Life magazine, there is an article about the 1956 airline disaster in the Grand Canyon. I want you to know that there is a visual video version of this podcast on the Grand Canyon TV YouTube channel. But if you guys are operating heavy machinery. Just enjoy the podcast. Yeah. So 1950s Alec Baldwin with with Guy from Psycho on the cover. Anthony Perkins. This is Gary Cooper. <laughs> He looks like Alec Baldwin from the 50s. I I think there are certain types in Hollywood and they just kind of get swapped out. Like I've always seen, I've always seen Daniel Craig as the modern day, um, who's the guy you, you like him. He's in the car chase. Yeah. I can see that. He's got that face. Oh yeah. hundred percent. A recycled look. British that mugged, withered, withered. I've been sleeping face. in a bar. Yeah, <laughs> just face down on a bar. Old British man. Yeah. <laughs> now this Life magazine it features an article about the Grand Canyon, and before we get into that, we're going to dive into that. <clears throat> but first, um, you know, just getting a sense of the year again, 1956. We had an article in May. That last video we did was May 14. So just kind of talking about some hidden stuff in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, that was the shot. Now this is the chaser. Life Magazine, too, I think was sort of like the upbeat publication. Like you had newspapers, um, you know, talking about news, talking about finance, talking about war, talking about politics, which life gets into all these different things. But I get the sense from everything I've dug up about life that they want it to be more optimistic. It's bright, it's colorful, giant, um, you know, full page photographs. Yeah. It's the in touch weekly of, of the fifties. I really like the way the size of Life magazine comes because it reminds me of the way Rolling Stone used to I would come buy, out. I would buy a magazine today if it was this big. Yeah. Because then you know you can cut out these pages. Mm-hmm. It, as yeah. long as it had like full page images without a lot of writing on them. Mm-hmm. Because you're basically buying something you can cut out and hang on your wall. Agreed. That's beautiful art. So you recognize uh, this guy? He is... Uh, the man from Psycho, uh, he, Bates. Yep, he did like Anthony one other Perkins. movie, and that's it. So yeah, that's not. <laughs> well, I mean, he, Psycho Two, I would say is, you know, this, really. There's like a nice twenty year gap. I did not, I, yeah, Psycho was 1960, so it's going to come after this. Oh my god! And they're. It seems like they're just hyping him up as an yeah. actor because yeah. he's playing. Gary Cooper. Mm. This isn't Gary Cooper's son. He's They're playing Gary him. Cooper's son in this He's got a movie. Full spread in here later. Wow. So yeah, yeah. if you want to, if you want to flip the table of contents too, we can get a little hint of our Grand Canyon story. Look at get Look how you these. sold it. All right. Gotta be nice. All right. That's so the sound effect happened. the story that we're going to be looking at. Um, 
actually falls into a section. So Life Magazine seemed to have a section in every issue called the Week's Events. It was a weekly publication and uh, they'd have all their main articles, but they'd always just kind of brush over the major news events of the week. So one of the big ones that they're going to get into is a perilous search follows history's worst commercial air disaster. Boom. At the same time as Marilyn Monroe getting married and Richard Nixon, would he make a good president? Is that... Yeah, he's not president. It's so, so it's still, Yeah, no. It's still, <laughs> Eisenhower's president. Is Nixon Whoa. vice president? Um, I don't know. I, uh, you know see what? If you can, see if you can pull that up. I think um, he's still governor of California, right? But yeah, it's, it's, it's on the cover, too. It says... Um, what, what about, about Nixon? Nixon? Yeah, he. I think he was vice president. So they're considering would he make a good president? Well, yeah, this is going to be in the run up to the 1960 election where he goes against JFK. And yeah, and loses. So this is like setting the stage for for Nixon. Yeah, he was he was vice president. Oh, he was vice time. president. Mm-hmm. This is time. also. I, I wanted to look up. I forget when the Twilight Zone started, but I feel like it's right around this time. Sixties, right? Yeah, like early sixties. It so, was yeah. Twilight Zone was on the air before JFK became president. Really? Because so fifty nine. I remember oh. he used the word Twilight in his inauguration speech. Oh. I was there. I, I remember. You were there. You went clearly. back in time. Not to double back, but do you think if we were to dig up a publication? That was maybe because when did Nixon become president? Nineteen sixty eight. Nineteen sixty eight. Like, I believe. do you LBJ. think there's an article twelve years before Trump runs for president? Oh yeah, where oh, they're totally. like, would Donald Trump yeah. make oh, a yeah. great make a good president? I've, I've seen it, yeah, because yeah, rumors of him. You know, maybe running for president. I feel like they started as early as the '90s. It's true. I like watched. I know, yeah, I watched a clip. I cannot find it on SNL, but there was an SNL clip from like 2000 or something yeah. around there, where they have him and Ross Perot and somebody else, and they're all like competing with I don't some Pat some Buchanan or something. Yeah, some rich yeah Buchanan and they're and all, Steve Forbes yeah and they're all trying to figure out who's gonna get what and like and Donald Trump is there well he was he like wants to be president yeah like, but this was twenty fucking years ago he was definitely like. <laughs> Whenever he was like more left leaning and oh yeah he was because he wrote a book yeah he started out Democrat yeah and he was like trying to be the uh, head of the Reform Party ticket he just like he kept like dancing around it Mm -hmm. yeah he just wants money that that actually talking about you know looking back on his you know history or politics this kind of stuff. The, the, do you guys ever see the pilot of Twilight Zone? No. Um, I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah. See if you can find when it aired because I think came it was out in 1959. Okay, so it's after this. the The premise for the pilot of Twilight Zone was, or, or the episode was. Where is it? it it's called the Time Element, mm-hmm. and it's basically a guy who like gets a vision of D Day happening mm-hmm. and running around screaming. And warning people, and they think he's crazy, <laughs> and then D-Day happens. Oh, wow. There's a lot of, like, I, I, I think Twilight Zone is especially fun whenever they do anything with, like, nuclear holocaust in it, or, like, a like any kind of atomic age, and everybody's radioactive. Those are, like, the best ones. 
Oh, yeah. Whenever you sat on your glasses in the car earlier, I was making a reference to the Twilight Zone episode where time oh, yeah. enough at last. Where, where he loses yeah. his glasses. It was, it was like COVID. It was like suddenly last year, suddenly we had all the time in the world, but you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> you couldn't do anything for yourself. Yeah. Like, it was, it oh. Basically, it was that Twilight Zone. I mean, that yeah, is with true. With the guy who breaks his glasses. <sighs> He's, what is it? It's the end of the world. He found a library in the rubble. Mm-hmm. He can. He, he has all the time. It's like, it's like he has like a bomb shelter or something, and he doesn't let anybody oh. in because he's going to read his books while everybody else dies. Well, and then he breaks his glasses. Yeah, he's like reading and reading because I remember he was just he had a, like a nagging wife, and everybody was giving him a hard time or something like that. And so he's like, I just want to be left alone. And then finally he gets to just be, enjoy peacefulness. And then he's sitting and reading and then he breaks his glasses. Yeah. Because he isolated himself. last year. That's what you All right. So Mm. we we get an advertisement for glass right next to our article here. Wow. I mean, to think M. Night Shyamalan had that movie planned out in 1956 and was planting... Listener, listener or viewer, um, <laughs> for the record, um, don't trust this guy. I don't know <laughs> what he's talking about. Um, you can get an ad for no deposit quart bottles. Keep it cool. 93% and, longer. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, you can. When did we drop down from the quart to the, the pint? pint for, like, the proper beer serving? When did that become... That sounds like, know, a, like an this English British wave idea. Quart bottles. Quart bottles. So that really gives you a sense of time. That's a lot of drink. And, um, it's a lot of drink. Quart? So, by, by the way, this is crocky here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hosting and, and trying to wrangle our show towards, towards the actual article. I'm joined by... By Lucy Miranda. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm Ricky. So, (laughs) so we've got our article here. Our article, um, the title is after commercial aviation's worst disaster, a perilous searching operation. And it goes right in. So we are talking about the 1956 airline collision that occurred at the Grand Canyon. United Airlines. And, uh, yeah, United Airlines and a TWA. Uh, these Which the, stands for? Uh, this is Trans World Airlines. How progressive. <laughs> Very cool. You got a bone to pick? I think it's cool. Trans- <laughs> said that with some Trans derision. Let's go. Trans World? Like, how Trans do they know? World. Trans World awesome. Airlines. It's very progressive and cool. I used United. to work for. I mean, how is United not progressive? Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's we're all uniting, about unity. We're uniting everybody because, hey, you can jump in this giant metal tube and get where you need to go. Yeah. Another right. bit of, like, fortuitous stuff like uh, the Joe Biden airline. Right. He's there. It's all about unity, yes. Unity United. Mm. It's coming, guys. Watch out. <laughs> um, all right. So the actual airline collision, this occurred on June 30th, the morning of June 30th. And I'm just going to give a little background before we go into what the article says. This was a TWA, United Airlines. The TWA was a Lockheed L-1049 Super Constellation. And the United Airlines was a Douglas DC-7. Now, were the Super Constellations the ones with the little propellers on them? Or? I, believe it, I believe it did have some propellers, yeah. 
Um, I don't know. They might have all had propellers at this point. I don't know when turbines started becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will note that there was an ad. Oops. So remember when we looked at our previous Life magazine? Yes. It, we ended an with an ad for a DC-7. The DC-7 has turbine. Both of them have turbines. Like if you, there's little propellers on the side for both. Yeah, the super constellation is the... And then... Well, what I'm saying is like that's a propeller. But I'm talking about like the uh, modern day yeah. Like, yeah. turbine thing. Oh, yeah. Like it's not a jet yet. No. Now, huge planes. Both of these airplanes left from Los Angeles the morning of June 30th. Typical. One is headed to Chicago. The other is headed to Kansas City, hmm. which we all know is in, of course, Missouri. Right. It's common knowledge. And you know, those direct flights from Los Angeles to Kansas City continue to this day, you know, just a... Extremely important transit route. Just randomly, yeah. Yeah. A nice flight path. <laughs> just um, for, for all those actors, for all those Los Angeles actors who live in Kansas City and they're flying back and yeah. forth for work. Yeah. Um, so now imagine, you know, if you've been on the tarmac at LAX. Or Burbank. Uh, no, they left from... LAX, okay. I'm going to wrangle this show. Like, when do... Uh, have you ever been on the tarmac at LAX? No, you can't do that. You can't do that. You get that. to get well, your full Nixon look, fingers I'm off not, the plane experience at yeah, Burbank. Burbank. That's oh, what you go oh, to Burbank sure. no, no, for. That's what I was meaning. You're saying walking by You're saying walking by foot. Yeah, that actually that, that probably was a situation here, right? Because yeah, we're back we're back when you mm-hmm. would actually walk the staircase up. You could wave to your grandma at the, the gate and do everything. So our guests, um, <laughs> they are gonna ride on these airplanes. And the planes left three minutes apart. So the visual I'm trying to paint here is you're in the airplane on the tarmac. And it's that situation where you're kind of rolling, waiting for the plane to take off. So one takes off three minutes later, the other one takes off. Wow. But one is headed to Chicago, the other is headed to Kansas City. I did not know that. Now, back then, we didn't have crazy flight restrictions. There's no FAA. And so... As airplanes came over the canyon, uh, Grand Canyon, Northern Arizona, the pilots, it was kind of up to them. They could kind of, you know, if they were on track on time, they could kind of drift over the canyon, give the um, passengers a little show, show them the Grand Canyon. And what happened on this particular day is it was a stormy day. There were some clouds. Uh, the one plane was set to an altitude. The other was set to another altitude. The dark and I don't know the details. Probably somebody watching is going to know the details. Um, but it was a situation where, like, you know, one was either trying to go above the clouds or mm-hmm. below them for the sake of, like, they were looking at the canyon and they're like, okay, we got to get back on track, back up. Or it was either just trying to dodge the stormy weather. Mm-hmm. But what happens is... It is the Douglas DC-7. It's United Airlines that pops up and it clips the TWA. Good God. So it is the left wing of the United Airlines DC-7 that clips, um, its left wing clips the tail of the Super Constellation, basically breaking the tail off the Super Constellation. Super Constellation just drops like a missile into the Grand Canyon. Good Lord. Whereas the... um, DC-7 maybe had a little control. It ended up, it seems like, a little further along than our um, TWA. 
I mean, that and is a lot. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, yeah. that that big of a plane just swirling, spiraling, and just bam, right into a mesa or something. Oh my God. Yeah, and there's no there's no legitimate witnesses of it. Sure. Like people could have been standing looking at the Grand Canyon. But like I said, it was a stormy day. Yeah. Uh, people it's might huge. not have known what they'd seen. They might yeah. have heard the noise and seen smoke. Yeah. Maybe like, a bird. Who knows? Or assumed it was thunder. Yeah. Or exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, my God. So, yeah, it was really like they didn't know. They didn't hear from the airplanes. And there, it was actually a situation where the planes were missing for, I think it was for at least 12 hours, maybe even a whole 24 hours that Whoa. nobody could confirm or actually, I, I'll get into it. It wasn't I, exactly 24 hours, but nobody could quite confirm where they were. Now, our article starts with this image. Uh, so that image there is talking about... Um, Are they looking at the canyon? Is that what that is? I think it's them, it's them prepping searching. to go. All right, a helicopter team prepares for dawn takeoff. That's why it's so dark at the Grand Canyon Airport. The plane stands on the right... And takes on the takes wait to take on bodies. It will bring back. That's wild. Yeah. So the image. I don't know if it was just the, the rush of the publication or, or my specific yeah. copy, but yeah, it's really dark image. You can't yeah. see too much. But what they're saying is they're using military helicopters. They're going to fly down and try to retrieve bodies, and then there's going to be an airplane that's going to take these bodies down to Flagstaff. Phew. Here's a quote from the beginning of the article. Uh, American and Swiss mountain climbers were lowered to spots inaccessible by helicopters, seeking bodies and pieces of bodies that spilled down the cliffs toward the turbulent Colorado River. Well, I mean, Swiss, they, they'd be good at it. They so, yeah, Alps, they, they actually had called in Swiss um, sure. rescue crew uh they know how to handle it the uh swiss climbers and they brought climbing gear and everything and this was actually the person who started funding like pouring some money into this was none other than howard hughes wow and he owned twa howard he owns here twa at, mm-hmm. at this point yeah he he actually had owned it i think for over 10 years before this happened mm-hmm. he owns twa and this is really bad press Mm-hmm. And now he's got to try to manage the situation. He owned it from 1939 until the 1960s when he started going a little cuckoo. And an interesting thing that I was just reading, um, the whole deal with Kansas. Uh, one of their focus cities with TWA was Kansas City. And it was supposed to be the headquarters at the time was planned to be that in, in Kansas City as the domestic and international hub until it was abandoned. This plan was abandoned in the 1970s. So now domestic really? and international hub of TWA mm-hmm. was going to be Kansas, Kansas City. City. Well, mm-hmm. Now we know. It makes sense to put it in the dead center of the country. Sure. I mean. Like, I mean, if you're going to like, yeah, choreograph. Domestic flights. That look, makes sense. Look at Warren Buffett. I mean, he's he's up in Nebraska. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. smart. <laughs> so yeah, we've got some more images here. I mean, um, like look at is, that. What is this one saying? That one's showing the Colorado. Oh, this it's one actually shows. Yeah. So the little arrow here. Look at the scorch on the rock oh of God. the plane. So the planes oh. they crashed into the rocks, and then all the 
the fuel then ignited a big fire. You can see that scorch oh. right there. And then we know in the Grand Canyon, it's a lot of dry brush and everything. Yeah. That, it all would have engulfed in flames and basically burned the whole area. I mean, these, it's, it's really hard to understand, like by looking at a picture, how steep these cliffs can really be. Because if you crash into that, you're just gonna roll and roll at that impact. This is the oh little Colorado River. So this is the confluence right there in the image. Oh. And then you've got <gasps> um, Temple Butte and Char Butte are the two crash sites. I mean, how, like, to, to mm. even, I mean, how do you get, like, you get your American and Swiss people in there. Like, how do they even cling on to that landscape? It is so yeah. steep. Well, here, this image is a close-up of the guys. It shows it, yeah. So th these guys are now, like, sitting somewhere like this. Good God. Or, or they're on this plateau. But that's a close-up of them in there and then this one is really um really morbid but yeah the quote there is uh, on temple butte a few yards from the site of the twa crash members of recovery team await helicopters that will take bodies in rubberized sacks to flagstaff arizona for burial rubberized. so just imagine like these guys like they're and, yeah. and I think this went on for more than a week. Oh, my God. Of, I'd imagine, yeah, it takes some time. Trying to retrieve bodies, trying to identify bodies. And then also, you got to think, like, what about the possessions? Yeah. It's a really weird situation of, like, trying to collect possessions and find out whose possessions are what. Mm -hmm. And even to, like... What even shows up, though? From like a high if, impact or like a, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like what do you mean? Like what's vaporized? What? Yeah. Yeah, like, sure. Will you even recover there? Mm -hmm. Wait till we turn the page. What? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they did find, there's, there's still things in there today. And, um, and there was even somebody, to. somebody was caught on eBay a couple of years ago trying to sell a piece of what? one of the airplanes. I actually, yeah. I went to the collections warehouse inside yeah. the Grand Canyon National Park and one of the workers in the collections warehouse, that's where they keep all the artifacts. Anything from a spear point to crash wreckage like this. Yeah. It's like the um, end of Indiana Jones. Oh, whoa. Yeah, it's, like it's one of those warehouses. <laughs> so I, I'm in there, you know, taking, um, and, and you can't, as a park visitor, if you guys are listening, you can't just like show up to this collections warehouse. That's where everything's stored. And from there, it's sent out to museums and sometimes on display. But it, it because it's a national park and it is paid for by our tax money, you can make an appointment. You uh, you can make an Google appointment make nice, to, nice. to tour the collections museum. But you, you need like a, give them a heads up or even like if you have a certain group visiting Grand Canyon. That sounds cool. Mm -hmm. The woman in there showed me it was a piece of metal and it had like blue and red paint on the piece of metal. And they basically told me that a guy was trying to sell it on eBay and had it labeled as, you know, um, crash wreckage from, you know, Whoa. Grand Canyon air collision. And what happened is, F, you know, somebody reported it. FBI goes yeah. to this person's Good. address, knocks on the door and, and says, look. You got to turn that over. Yeah, right. Or you're coming with us. Yeah. But you can't take anything out of the canyon. That's a federal offense. You can't. Yeah. You, I mean, you can't even take a rock out of the canyon. So this guy was like really going for it. So anyway, uh, it's back back now in possession of the park. Cool. And, and he must have hiked in there. I mean, that like, is a, that's, that's not a, an easy spot. No. You, yeah. You it's have to go. Difficult. Most people go down Tanner Trail. But the the crash sites are on the north side of the river. So, so if you go down Tanner Trail, 
you would actually have to pack raft across and then hike up mm. and try to find these. But people still find stuff. You know, wow. don't get the wrong idea. You can't go there and, and no. you know, steal stuff. I mean, it is, even though it is trash, it's supposed to stay there as historic trash. If you were to try to cross the Colorado River, too, I mean, that that is, that's a really scary river to cross. I mean, the force. And they have, yeah, there's Ugh. an image here of, they look at the wow. helicopter. Oh, wow. Landed on a sandbar. So wow. this is, it's this, it looks like it's this sandbar yeah. right here. And, they were just trying to find places they could land, but think the guys could probably bring the bags, you know, easier to move them down mm -hmm. using gravity, get them down to the river, and then they could meet the helicopter there. And then for reference, those are people standing. The proportions right are just incredible. Yeah, this is another one. Those are people standing right oh there. Oh my God, oh, wow. this is tiny. And that's the helicopter. They're lifting something out or is that just a sunspot? Maybe it's a body bag. Yeah, I was wondering if, yeah, maybe there's a cord attached to that mm -hmm. helicopter. Um, what else are you guys seeing? I think it's just talking about some of the people involved. Yeah. With the rescue. The men in charge, the Richard TWA Kennedy. people, the Swiss mountaineers on the canyon. So, yeah, edge. that was Howard Hughes. So, Howard Hughes owns TWA, and Howard Hughes is famous for, you know, being uh, interested in aviation. And portrayed uh, he, by Leonardo he, DiCaprio. <laughs> and, the, and the aviator. Uh, but yeah, he, right, the, the Spruce Goose. The Spruce Goose, um, which is in McMinnville, Oregon. There's also <laughs> Hell's Angels. He made the film Hell's Angels. Yeah, famous. The, like the biplanes flying around. In 1956, he was working on a film. And uh, this film is not going to come out till 1957. So I think that was probably on his plate of like, I got to yeah. really save face. Yeah. I'm working on a film about a pilot. Oh, was he really? Uh, the film that came out in 1956 was called Jet Pilot. <laughs> and it was <laughs> starring, starring a Southwest favorite, Mr. John Wayne. Oh, well, that's, yeah. Whoa. That's, uh, that's packed. That's a loaded. John Wayne played Genghis Khan, didn't he? Yes. Oh God! I think it was around. It was around the same time. Yeah. One of the most accurate portrayals of a historical figure. Okay, this is where I gotta pause the actual podcast and catch you guys up. So the movie Jet Pilot was released in 1957, October of 1957, and it was an American Cold War romance film. It was produced by Howard Hughes. He funded it. He wanted this to be like a Jet Age, Hell's Angel type movie. And Howard Hughes actually only directed 
uh, like two films in his career. So he directed Hell's Angels in 1930 and he directed The Outlaw in 1943. But he had a lot of money and he was funding films. He funded a film called The Conqueror. And this was released in 1956. The Conqueror is the story of Mongol conqueror Genghis Khan. So John Wayne read the script for this and John Wayne wanted to play Genghis Khan. John Wayne actually lobbied to play Genghis Khan. He got the role. They made the movie. This movie is released March 28th, 1956. Now, the movie makes money. It recoups its budget at the box office, but critically, many people consider this the worst film of the 1950s and one of the worst films ever made. It doesn't completely ruin John Wayne's career. He still goes on to win the Oscar for True Grit in 1969. Yet, you can imagine that film coming out at the end of March the critics are not liking it. You know, John Wayne is playing a Mongolian man. All that is going on. And then in June, there's an airline disaster. Howard Hughes just released his movie. Really poor critical reception. Airline disaster happens. And he's also got in his pocket. He's got the movie Jet Pilot that he still wants to put out, which Jet Pilot is actually going to become the final film Howard Hughes is ever associated with. So now back to the podcast. Do you think Jet Pilot was like the Fast and Furious of its day? Oh, dude. Like, you know, up or was there. it like, or was yeah. it the torque of its day? I'd say Fast and Furious. Okay. Because Fast and Furious Howard Hughes already did Hell's Angels. And that mm. was just like, people were blown away. By that, that was 1929. Was it? Hell's Angels? It was, a talk- it was like one of the first Lady talkies. with the computer? I don't know. It was one of the first talkies. He had to redo the whole movie because it was originally Hell's Angels was really a silent movie. And then talkies came in while he was All making right. it. You dig that up. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to wrap up the article. So we're seeing some images here from Flagstaff. Um, you know, one of the things too, there's, there's, there's books written on this airline disaster. But yeah, you were asking about... The um, things that might have survived. So that is a coat survived. It's a jacket because what happened was the remember the wing clips the tail. Oh, so the oh, fuselage so just is opened up before the plane goes down. Before it explodes, before anything catches fire. So stuff was like falling out of the plane. And there could be stuff like in all these, you know, like random spots in the canyon. Like this wreckage went all over the place. I mean, think of like. There could be like a shoe. There could be somebody's wallet. There could be, um, you know, somebody's hat. There could be an entire suitcase that didn't even open up and fell in a crack somewhere, and nobody's yeah. even found it. I mean, I believe it. There's, there's, it's a, it's a pit that just holds time. It's a time machine, man. It's, it's one of those, one of those things. Time capsule. Grand Canyon is a time capsule. Well, I feel like Grand Canyon would be the ground. And the suitcase would be the time capsule. Sure. Whatever holds it in there. (laughs) It's up in there and you can have it anytime you want. (laughs) It's It's a a Grand Canyon is a fossil time capsule. That's true. It holds fossils. 
Look at all these clothes. And, and our these... dreams. God, and yes, it's true. Now, at this time, there was no FAA. There were no oh. black boxes. But there was uh, somebody in a control tower that did hear a transmission. One of the pilots had said, we're going in. And it just cut off after that. Um, so people really didn't know oh what God. happened. The, the <laughs> first news, the first press release was two airplanes are missing. Yeah. And there was somebody from Grand Canyon Airlines, a uh, tour company that still... GCA. The GCA still the exists GCA. today. And uh, they still do tours. But they were flying through the canyon that morning and they saw smoke. But because it was a thunderstorm day, they thought it was just lightning had struck yeah. a tree or something sure. in the canyon. Yeah. And then when they heard about the missing planes, they went back that afternoon oh, yeah. on a flight and they confirmed... You know what they thought was the wreckage but it was getting late in the day mm -hmm. so finally the next morning they confirmed the crash site wow now is howard hughes responsible for the faa being formed in any way like does he push for that the mm -hmm. um faa is going to come it's is actually it like signed into action so there was an faa act signed in action in 1958 so but, but this, this prompts it Exactly. Mm -hmm. okay. This was a big catalyst because back before the FAA, different, you know, these planes flew out of L.A. and they were headed to Kansas City, Chicago. So L.A., Kansas City, Chicago. These are the only towers. These are the only flight control right. that was really responsible. But now we have a federal. So aviation. all the planes, regardless of which line or whatever, they're all communicating. They're all talking, yeah. which I'm sure they were doing on some level. But just to have it regulated in. Yeah. Things changed yeah. after this. Yeah. It's a big deal. The funeral. We have an image here of Flagstaff. Yeah. And you, you can see Humphreys Peak. I didn't know there was a mass grave. There's a mass grave. I visited it. Oh, man. I've, I've been there. And this is actually... Where is it? It's kind of now swallowed up by the NAU campus. Really? Uh, that's so, NAU. And, and a lot of people, too. Like, that's something NAU students will joke about. Um, when they first show up to Northern Arizona University, they'll say, oh, yeah, there's a cemetery right next to the campus. Is um, it in that? This is in that cemetery? Yeah, this is the cemetery. So huh. if, if we're looking this way, the Northern Arizona Rec Center, Recreation Center, the swimming pool, the running track, all that stuff wow. is here today. But, you know, back then it was an open area. I, maybe it was part of an existing Whoa. cemetery, but they dug a mass grave because there were 29 unidentified persons. They they basically could Dang. they they could identify 99 people, but 29 they just couldn't identify Whoa. them. Wow. Well, I'm like I mean they're oh so they're just a potential of whatever was on the roster. They just can't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And th yeah, there were actually some, there were some famous people. I mean, there were kids, there were old people. It was a mix of everyone. Like think yeah. about wow. that. And I, I actually had a, I have my own story, not, not a personal first degree story, but a second degree ish story. When I was working as a Grand Canyon tour guide a couple of years ago, I was giving a tour, a sunset tour, and usually people would want to hear some eerie stories. They'd want to hear about death in the canyon or, you know, um, this, this tour might have even been around October and there was a kid on tour. 
that said, you got any scary ghost stories or something? Oh, yeah. And, and typically I would say, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do it after sunset. We'll do it when we're driving back and it's dark. So I had done a whole three-hour sunset tour, took these people around, all around the Grand Canyon. And on the drive back, I started telling the story of the airline disaster. And before I even got back to Tucson, finishing the tour and dropping the people off, before I got back, I, I finished the story and I was interrupted by um, a brother and sister who looked like they were almost the same age, but they must have been like in their 60s. Oh, um, and it's really odd to see that on a tour. You know, you get couples, you get families, you get um, a whole mix. But yeah, to have like a brother and sister that are like in their 60s was kind of odd. And as I was driving back, I told the story. And then um, the, the girl, she piped up and, and she's like, I, I um, actually have something to con- contribute to your story. Uh, we used to live in Los Angeles. And we were supposed to be on that plane. No what? footage was of me visiting the citizens cemetery in Flagstaff where you find the mass grave now on July 30th Life magazine then ran a follow-up one-page article about the completion of the mass grave in Flagstaff so we've seen an image of the grave being dug I've shown you what it looks like today, and now we can see in 1956, it says, a tranquil grave for crash dead. Beneath the towering San Francisco peaks in a tranquil cemetery at Flagstaff, the three long rows of coffins glinted in the Arizona sunshine. On the coffins, red and white flora sprays formed a huge cross. Facing a bank of red carnations set with the Christian cross and the Star of David, Mormon, Protestant, Jewish, and Catholic clergymen in turn read burial services over the six identified and 61 unidentified dead. Lord of mercy, intoned the Jewish cantor, bring them to the cover of thine wings. The 67 had been aboard the Trans World Airlines Super Constellation, which collided with a United Airlines DC-7 over the Grand Canyon. TWA arranged the service and flew 350 relatives and close friends of the victims. Their common grave will become a permanent memorial to those who died in commercial aviation's worst disaster. Now, there also is a grave at the Grand Canyon, as I mentioned.
So 29 unidentified victims of the United flight were interned in four coffins at the Grand Canyon Pioneer Cemetery. 66 of the 70 TWA passengers and crew are interned in a mass grave at the Citizen Cemetery in Flagstaff. Here we see Pioneer Cemetery at the Grand Canyon. Brand Canadian TV.